Good morning. How's it going? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't really know how I found myself up here this morning. To really, I found this like mic and they didn't, nobody was guarding it. There's like nobody there. And so, looked like fun. I, I do wish they had the, you know the ball that goes on the end of it? They forgot that part. So I really wanted to like relive my like, like in sync backstreet boys like whole thing, you know? No? No, I'm just kidding. That's a little before my time. I think they split up when I was in fifth grade. If that doesn't, uh, sorry about that. Um, but uh, Pastor Jake and Bethany, you guys might recognize that I'm neither one of them. Uh, they're actually down in Grants Pass this weekend. They're speaking at Joy Church Grants Pass. So, uh, man, they are very fortunate. Uh, the, the church down there is. Uh, Pastor Jake and Bethany, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure it's like six or seven degrees hotter uh, down there. So, uh, you know what? God bless them for uh, doing what they're doing. But we have been in the middle of a series that we've titled Fruit by the Foot. And get this, by some miracle and by the master procurement skills of Pastor Bethany, we have found more fruit by the foot. Uh, we are pretty sure we bought out every last one that existed, but I think that they kicked some factories back into motion just so that we could get an 18-pack of Fruit by the Foot. So here's my question. Who wants Fruit by the Foot this morning? All right, let's go. We got one right here. Nobody else? Okay, right, all right, back here. In the back. Let's go. All right. Who else? Avine, I got, oh, that was terrible. I'm sorry, Avine. I tried. I got one more. Oh, in the back. Oh, I'm short. I, I threw out my arm this morning in first service, and I'm a little short. I'm sorry. No, I'm just, I'm just playing with you. But, uh, y'all, I may not be as much to look at as Pastor Jake, but at least uh, I, I don't talk as good either. So uh, at least you've got that. It's going to be a fun ride uh, this morning. Uh, and speaking of the fun ride, I noticed that the countdown clock is moving here, and I was like under the impression that the clock didn't actually start in one of our sermons until there was like a C.S. Lewis quote or a joke made about beating other churches to restaurants. So if we could like pause the clock, I haven't started yet. Um, it, it, I'd, I'd appreciate it if we could just like wait until I actually start. We're just chatting right now. It's like it's just chatting riffing time. Uh, but uh, as long as we haven't started yet. Uh, yeah, you guys like the Netflix recap stories? Let's just do a quick recap of what we've been doing uh, the last few weeks. We've been in a series titled Fruit by the Foot. Fruit by the Foot. And uh, the big thought for this series is where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. Where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. And we've been looking at this uh, passage in Galatians uh, the main verse for our whole series has been this passage in Galatians 5.22. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. In other words, you can't mess it up with these things, right? Uh, and, and so the main idea that we've been talking about is that the job of the Christian, the job of the, of the follower of Jesus, the, 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 the job of us as a church is not to strive to produce the outer appearance of what it looks like to live the life of a Christian, 
but rather to create space and give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to flow in our lives, bringing forth the good fruits, these fruits that are listed here in this passage, all right? So today what we're going to do is we're going to break down a, a, a part of this passage a, a, a little bit, and, and we're, we're going to break down one of these words and see how it can impact, how it can change the way that we think, how it can impact the way that we feel, and how it can change the way that we live our lives, all right? But be, before we do, I just want to tell you, man, right now, as we, as we get into the Bible, it's time to lean in. All right? It's the time, like if, if, you're, the, if you're like the checkout person, it's, it's time to uh, opposite checkout, right? Get on the front of your seat, and here's why. This morning, the creator of the universe, who loves you deeply, wants to speak directly to you this morning. As we, as we open up the Bible and as we, as, we, as we get into the Word of God, which we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, and that has the power to speak directly into our lives Today, So as we open up the Bible and as we talk about the Bible, I want to say right, right now is the time to lean in because whether I speak with eloquence or whether I bumble through my notes, God wants to speak to you this morning, all right? So it's time to lean in and let God speak to you this morning, all right? I want to take a deeper look into the concept of gentleness this morning. I want to take a deeper look into the concept of gentleness. And what we want to do is we want to recognize a, what this fruit looks like so that the Holy Spirit can produce this fruit in our life. Recognize what it looks like so that we can let the Holy Spirit produce this fruit in our life. Uh, anybody here garden, uh, flowers, vegetables, anything like that? Three people, great. Um, it's awesome. Uh, there's a lot of vegetables growing out there uh, out of this crew. Um, anyway, we planted some, we planted a bunch of gardens at our place this spring and, and one, we planted this little flower bed and we planted it all from seed, right? So everything was under the ground. And we're a little bit new at this, uh, so we don't actually know what any of these plants look like. We just know we're like, picture on the box, that flower, yes, but it turns out they don't grow out of the ground with the flower on them so that you know that this is a good plant. So you actually have to know what like, the plant actually looks like uh, when it comes up because if you have ever done any gardening before, or maybe we're just really bad at it, when you plant stuff, you make an environment that's really good for things to grow, and a lot of things grow. Uh, a lot of things that you don't really want to grow, grow, and so you have to know what the plant is supposed to look like if you want to pull out all the other plants that don't look like that so that you can let the plant that you want to plant grow. Following me? Uh, so it's important when we want something to be produced in our lives, when we want to let the, the, the Holy Spirit produce the good fruit in our life, we have to know what it looks like. We have to understand what it really is. And, and, and so I want to take a, a minute here and understand the concept of gentleness. And I want to understand what Paul was actually saying when, when he penned these words, when he said that these are the fruits of the Spirit. What did he mean by gentleness? Uh, I don't know how many of you guys know this. Uh, the Bible was not actually written in English. It was actually written in uh, several languages, but this passage in Greek. And so it's been translated. And how many people know that things get lost in translation? Uh, oftentimes. Uh, I, I've got a few lost in translation moments up here. Let's take a look at this. Uh, this is a, a, a buffet sign that in Arabic reads meatball, and they've gone ahead and translated it for us here uh, somehow. Paul is dead. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, eating carpet, strictly prohibited. Uh, by order, by the way. Uh, 
I don't know what the idea is here. Maybe, maybe there was an actual issue. I don't know. Uh, do not cry. Uh, I have this one actually on my one-year-old son's door, and he doesn't get it. Uh, lemongrass frog technology. Um, I don't know if you're into eating technology, but I'm not. Uh, but I don't know if, how many people here uh, have noticed that marketing people tend to like really overuse the word technology. Anybody? Uh, how many people have heard of Yeti? Yeti, they make coolers that are really expensive and they make nice mugs. Uh, Yeti, on some of their mugs, they, uh, they prize in big words on the cover, it says, over the nose technology. Over the nose technology. And they've, they've gone through painstaking research to, to realize that if we make the cup big enough at the top, when we drink it, it doesn't hit our nose right here, but it goes over our nose. And that, my friends, is some sophisticated technology. That is over the nose technology. Um, we've got another one right here. Not to leg on the toilet, thank. Uh, uh, I don't know what it means to leg on the toilet, but they caught Dave legging on the toilet, and we're not going to have it again. Uh, Anyone obeying the swimming pool regulations may be required to leave. <laughs> this is my swimming pool. I'm like, if you're not out there having a good time, if you're not breaking the rules, you're not having a good time, and you got to go. All right, next one. Do we have any more? That's the one. That's it. Uh, but things get lost in translation, right? Things are getting lost in translation all the time. This passage that we're reading was actually written in Greek. So the words that was, word that was originally here was not the actual English word gentleness, it was this other word, and it, it's pronounced prautes, all right? Prautes. And uh, now, the way we use the word gentleness in our language is, uh, it's almost like it's a sad ghost of this word prautes, all right? Our, our version of gentleness. The word prautes is actually also, uh, the same root is translated as meekness. The same root is translated as humility. And today, we define these words, this is like the, the actual English definition of of gentleness and meekness goes like this. Gentleness says, the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. Softness of action or effect. Lightness. Uh, meek, who, which also has the same root in this word, uh, is defined as quiet, gentle, easily imposed on, submissive. Uh, and when you, when you Google search gentleness, let's look at a picture of it. When you Google search gentleness, it looks something like this, right? Aww. It's like, aww, it's not crushing the butterfly. And, oh, it's, like, it's like delicate things and, and treating and, and being really gentle and submissive. And uh, when, that's what happens when we Google this word, right? So we know that there's a little something missing from that when we go to the biblical definition of gentleness. And I want to get into the biblical definition of gentleness first, but before I do, if, if, I just want you to know, like right now, if you're going to leave today with one thought, like if you're the kind of person you're like, I've got room in here for one sentence, I worked a long week, it was hot yesterday, uh, I'm going to go out and lose the rest of this message in the heat the re later today, I'm going to take one thing away. I want you to take this one sentence away, one thing right now. Gentleness is not a call to a sedated, boring life of a pushover but rather the strength to, possess, or to express power with reserve. Gentleness is not a call to a sedated, boring life of a pushover, but rather the strength to express power with reserve. 
All right, Psalms uh, 1835 says this is, is Daniel, or not Daniel, this was David writing, or writing these words. He says, you, talking to God, have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. Your gentleness made me great. I, I know that's like a, a, it's not really a common concept for uh, today, the way we use this word gentleness. Gentleness is not uh, what makes people great. It's not what pushes people towards greatness. It's actually what keeps you in the background, right? It, it, it's, not, it's not striving towards doing something amazing. It's not using your strength to do something good. It's, it's rather like hanging back and like just like not hurting anybody or not, not, not hurting anybody's feelings. This is gentleness. That's how we understand it, right? But I want to look at uh, how the, the, the Greeks thought about this word prautes, it's a little bit different, actually. If we throw that up there, it says prautes expresses power with reserve and gentleness. You know that our word for gentleness is missing a little bit of something when the actual definition includes the word gentleness, right? Uh, prautes expresses power with reserve and gentleness, displaying the right blend of force and reserve. Prautes, or, or strength in gentleness, avoids unnecessary harshness, yet without compromising or being too slow to use necessary force. You know, uh, in that time period that this was being talked about, uh, that this was being written, uh, prautes was not contrasted like how we would contrast gentleness today. It wasn't contrasted with being strong or, or fierce or aggressive. It was actually contrasted with anger. Uh, there's a, a popular Greek philosopher uh, who, who spoke, he was a native tongue to this same language, so he even used these exact same words. Uh, his name was Aristotle, and uh, he said, becoming angry is the opposite of becoming praus, or gentle, right? Becoming angry is the opposite of becoming gentle, now, I, I want to look at uh, uh, something C.S. Lewis said. He said this in a uh, uh, little writing, very short writing, he called The Necessity of Chivalry. All right? And he was writing from this perspective of, of, the, of Camelot and the Knights of Camelot, and he said, uh, I'm going to describe the idyllic knight, right? I'm going I'm to describe the epitome of chivalry. In other words, the, uh, the ideal Christian. Right? So he's, he's trying to describe the ideal Christian, and he's using this metaphor of, a, of a, the Knights of Camelot. And he says this. He says, the, the idyllic knight, the good knight, is not a compromise or a half, happy mean between ferocity and meekness. He is fierce to the nth and meek to the nth. We often see these two words as being opposites, right? Like fierce and meek. But what C.S. Lewis is saying here, and he's echoing the, the, the real truth that's being communicated in the Bible, he's, he's saying that true gentleness, true, the, the, the ideal Christian is not like this perfect blend of, of being like strong and weak, but rather he is, he is meek, in other words, gentle and humble to the max, and he's fierce to the max. You can start my clock, by the way. That was C.S. Lewis, uh, if you didn't catch it. Uh, another guy, uh, another writer that I like, his name is A.W. Tozer. Uh, he said this, he said, the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. 
Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He's accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, and this is always the truth of the gospel, paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels, in himself nothing, in God everything. That is his motto. In himself nothing, in God everything. That is his model. I, I want to define gentleness uh, for you, and there's, there's a few ways that we can define gentleness at, in how we practice it. All right? Gentleness can be defined along three lines. Number one, discerning when correction is needed. Gentleness is discerning when correction is needed. You know, in the Bible, when we look at where this word gentleness is used throughout the Bible, this word praoutes, it is almost exclusively used in the context of God correcting us for error or us correcting someone for error, right? The Bible says that, that, uh, that God does not, deal, uh, does not deal harshly with us, but rather is praus. Right? It, says that, uh, it says that when you, uh, when you correct somebody to do it with praoutes. It says, uh, says, actually, there's a section of the Bible where it says uh, to always be prepared with the ability to defend what you believe. Right? It says always be ready with a defense of the faith. Be able to stand up for truth. And then it says with praoutes. Stand up for truth with a, with a strong line for justice and a strong line for what's, what's right and what's good and what's true in reserve, right? With the, with the power of a, of, a, of a strong line that will not move, but with gentleness, with meekness, knowing how much pressure to put and how much pressure to reserve, right? Uh, gentleness can be defined as discerning when power is needed, right? When correction is needed, but when power is needed. Gentleness is when power is needed. Gentleness is also defined as discerning when reserve is needed. When power is needed, when correction is needed, and when reserve is needed. And it might all sound like a really idyllic circumstance, right? It's like, just do it just right every time. That's what gentleness is. It's like telling somebody to get up on the putting green and just put it just right. You know, like, not too hard, not too soft, like, just right every time. You know, just don't, no, don't go too hard, go too, don't go too soft, just right every time. Uh, that's kind of what it sounds like when we're describing gentleness. It's the, it's the ability to discern, which just means to understand, to know. Uh, the right blend of power and reserve. Not a moment too late, not a moment too soon, without harshness. But don't be too, too slow to, uh, to uh, correct, right? It's, it's saying just right. It's, everything's right here in this perfect tension. That's gentleness. It all kind of sounds like my wife describing her ideal man, right? Uh, it's like not too tall, but not too short. You know, like handsome, but not so handsome that all the other girls like want to be around him. Like funny, but not over the top. Uh, she missed it on that one. Uh, but like... You know, she's like, I want him like good, but like, eh, like, uh, I, I want him to like be 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 gentle, but also like, I, I want him to beat up a guy if he comes in our house when he's not supposed to. Like, you know, she it's like sounds like my wife trying to describe her ideal man. Which, uh, to be real with you guys, how many people here uh, were absolutely devastated when you found out 
who your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, who their celebrity crush was before you guys got together. Anybody else like really devastated by that? Uh, no, just me. Uh, I won't throw her under the bus on who we're talking about. It's several people. But it's like, it's like you get together with somebody and you're like, ah, oh, they, they, they think I'm handsome. They think I'm attractive. They think I'm awesome. And then you like realize what awesome is to them. And, and you're like, so that's like the one that I don't quite meet up to. Like that was the ideal and you settled for a non-celebrity version. Like, so I'm below that one then obviously somewhere. Uh, it's devastating. Probably the most devastating I've been, I've been in my life. Devastated. No, I'm just messing. Hurts my feelings. I'm sorry. Um, but the biblical idea of gentleness, it's impossible to live up to. Right? It's impossible to live up to, and that's because it's supposed to be impossible to live up to. This word prautes, it actually carries within it a divine origin. Right? It carries within it the, this idea that it only comes from something that's not human. Right? In other words, when people were like putting these words together in the Greek language, they're like figuring things out, and they're like, well, this like characteristic here, this prautes, it's like we see it in people sometimes, but we know that we can't do it. It's like really hard and uh, borderline impossible. So there has to be some other force. I, I know that I'm not capable of it. So there's like, there's something out there that can enable prautes. So within it, it comes with this divine origin, meaning this type of gentleness was only understood to be possible through divine help. In simple terms, it comes from God. In simple terms, it only comes from God. We are only enabled to produce gentleness, this true biblical gentleness from God, which totally lines up with what we've been talking about this whole time. And that is this, where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. Where the Holy Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. All right, it, it, it is a, it is a result of being in the Holy Spirit. And you, you know, it's a hard concept to grasp being responsible to produce something, but not expected or even able to produce it. You guys, you guys catch what I'm saying? Like, and that's why some of these fruits of the Spirit, it's, it's kind of uh, an ethereal concept. We're like, well, so what you're saying is that like, as a Christian, I need to be... Uh, loving, I need to have joy, I need peace, patience, goodness, like all, all of these things. I need to be gentle, but you, now you're telling me that I can't. It's impossible. And, and I think that this is because we, we tend to see things a little bit wrong when we talk about our Christian life. And I, I think that we can see everything in our Christian walk is kind of the same thing. All right? I think we kind of see things as a flat line. And at least for me, things oftentimes fall into this category God wants me to blank, so I try to blank. I think a lot of people's Christian walk, they're, 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 them trying to follow Jesus falls into this category. God wants me to blank, so I try to blank. God wants me to read my Bible, so I try to read my Bible. God wants me to pray, so I try to pray. God wants me to be generous, so I will be generous. God wants me to uh, be gentle, so I will try to be gentle. And the list goes on and on, and we're not quite getting it. 
The list goes on and on, and we're not quite getting it, when in reality, the true progression of our, Christian, uh, of our Christian life should look like this. It starts with right here. God is so amazing. And he has this incredible plan, a, a redemptive plan, to redeem the entire world into his family. And he invites me to take part in it. All right, that's like the, that's the start. It's not God wants me to. It's God has, God is amazing, and he has this incredible plan, and he has invited me to take part in it. He's made me on purpose and for a purpose, and he wants to empower me to be part of his plan. In other words, he doesn't just invite me to be part of his plan. He created me for part of his plan, and he plans to empower me to to carry out that part of his plan. All right? And because he wants to empower me, he wants to do that by producing all of this great fruit in my life. Not grapefruit, great fruit. Um, he wants to produce all of this great fruit in my life. And so, so we say, okay, how does God produce this fruit in our lives? Well, he actually says it right here in John 15, very simply in one sentence. He says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what is it saying here? The fruit of the Spirit is produced by time in the Spirit. As we remain in the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, as we, as we spend time with God, as we dedicate parts of our life to building a relationship with God, as we give Him the authority to step into our life and, and change things around and move things and shift things and give us purpose and power and destiny, it produces this fruit in our life. So how does the Holy Spirit produce gentleness? I, I want to tell you this. If, if you want to embrace the fruit of gentleness, look for the Holy Spirit to grow you in these areas. These three areas. If you want to produce gentleness, let's look for the Holy Spirit to grow you in these areas. Uh, the first thing he does is he reveals who you are. If God wants, if, 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 if the first step of producing this fruit of gentleness, he's going to reveal who you are. And the, the reason for this is when we understand that our identity, our, our purpose, our, 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 our hope, our life is rooted in Christ and not our own strength, our own uh, our, our own image, our own clout, our own insecurity, our own bank account. When we realize that our image is rooted in Christ, then we no longer have the need to protect our image, protect our clout, protect our, our, our bank account when other people are messing up. Right? So it, uh, maybe I'm the only one, but I tend to deal more harshly with people when my image is on the line, right? When it's my name on the door, when it's my money involved, I, right? So I'm like, I'm like, it's my name on the door. You messed up and this is coming back on me, right? And, and I'm going to deal harshly. Why? Because my image is tied up. Um, I, I don't have a full understanding of, where, of who I am. And therefore, when my image is, is come against, I'm going to deal harshly. What do you mean? It's my money on the line and you messed up with my money? You, with my security, with, my, with, with, with where I, I, I hold my value and my, my treasure and my hope, you mess with that, and I'm going to deal harshly with you, right? Anybody else, or am I the only, I'm the only one that uh, deals harshly with people when I'm on the line? 
But when we get our, when we get our identity and our value and our purpose and our hope rooted in, in, in who Christ says we are and, and, and our identity is as a child of God, all of a sudden you, you, you attack my name and it's, it's not who I am. All of a sudden you attack my bank account, it's not who I am. All, all of a sudden you, you, you come against all these areas and, and they are not where I'm rooted and therefore I don't have to protect them. I don't have to deal harshly with you. When I understand who I am, I can be gentle. As we walk in the Spirit, we, we make time to spend in God's presence. As we meditate on His Word, we get a picture of who God created us to be, which is never dependent on someone else. We get a picture of who God created us to be, which is never dependent on someone else, and therefore we don't have to deal harshly. We can deal gently with people. All right? The second thing he's going to do is he's going to reveal his heart toward others. We're saying, hey, what are the three things that God is going to work on you in if you, if you, if you want to produce gentleness? This is the second one. He reveals his heart toward others. Gentleness is produced as we gain a picture of the potential of other people's lives. As we gain a picture of, uh, of the potential of other people's lives and who God created them to be, as we get a picture of just as God created us on purpose and for a purpose, he created our neighbor who has the wrong political flag in their yard on purpose and for a purpose. And he created our, uh, our, our friend who just stabbed us in the back on purpose and for a purpose. And he created our, our, our daughter who's suddenly gone off the rails on purpose and for a purpose. He's created our parents who uh, won't stop telling us what to do on purpose and for a purpose. He's created every person else on purpose and for a purpose. And when we create or when we grasp the idea of, and we can see who God sees in people, when we can see the purpose, the inherent purpose in people, we tend to deal more gently with them. When we see the potential in others, our actions will always be an effort to build them up rather than tear them down. When we, see, when we see where a person can truly get to, the, the, the God-given potential in a person, we are always going to be uh, driven to call that out rather than to tear it down. But when we see people as a threat to our way of thinking, when we see people as, uh, as a, a, a way of, uh, a threat of, to our way of doing things, or when we see people as uh, somebody that's going to reflect poorly on us, and we see people, uh, we won't use gentleness. We won't use this appropriate force with reserve. We'll use harshness to protect our bubble, right? When we, see, when we see other people as a threat, we will always result or revert to harshness. The Holy Spirit produces gentleness by revealing his heart for those around us. The third way is that he reveals who he is. God, he, he, he reveals who you are. He reveals who other people are, and he reveals who he is. Now, ultimately, we understand that God has been gentleness, gentle with us, and we spend time in his presence meditating on the gentleness of God. It calls us, it shows us, and it empowers us to be gentle. When we spend time in the presence of God, when we understand that he's been gentle with us, it calls us, it shows us, and it empowers us to be gentle with others. So when we look at the times that, that, that we've messed up and we've missed the mark that God had for our lives and we've, we, we, we've muffed it up and we've uh, made mistakes, when we realize that in those times God was not harsh with us, we 
can be gentle with others. In those times that we realize that God was not harsh with us when we messed it up, he is in those exact moments that he's, that he's being gentle with us and that he's, that, he's, that he's dealing with us, not just letting us off the hook, right? Where he's bringing correction and maybe even correction through another person, right? When he's bringing correction and, and discipline and discipleship. When we see that even in those times when we needed to be corrected, God did not deal harshly with us. It's in those exact moments that he's actually teaching us how to be gentle with others. He's in that moment producing that same gentleness in us. I've got one more story before we wrap it up. Uh, And it's actually, uh, it's a story where Jesus, he actually encounters a woman who had just messed up real big. All right, and and the story is kind of about how Jesus treats this woman. And uh, there's a woman, Jesus was out teaching uh, in in a big square. There's probably a lot of people. And in the middle of it, some guys come out and they, they, they dragged this woman into the square and they had caught her in adultery. They had caught her being adulterous and uh, the punishment for this crime was death. And so they drag her out and they say, Jesus, what should we do with her? And they say, we've caught this woman in adulterous relationship and the people were all excited and riled up. You know, like, like, like the mob and, uh, you know, there's nothing quite that kick something off in your brain that like breaks something as a uh, hundred other people around you just righteously ready to destroy someone, right? Uh, there's like this, this, this righteous anger. It was the moment for righteous judgment, or justice, right? The moment, it's a, the, the moment for righteous justice. And uh, in this moment, they, they, they think they're trapping Jesus. They're saying, okay, either we have to, either Jesus is going to have to publicly condemn this woman to death or he's going to have to break the law. Like we've got him, we've got him trapped and it's this moment for righteous justice. How many people have this like, this, this highlight reel that plays in their head, that, that, these fantasy situations where you, somebody says the, the, the thing that, that they shouldn't have said and it, and it gives you the right opportunity, you're the righteous judgment, you have the stinger, the one-liner that's just going to like cut straight to their heart and you're going to demoralize them, right? This is their moment. They're like, this lady, she was caught red-handed. We got stones in our hands. We're ready to go. We've got righteous justice on our side. We're here. We're going we're to destroy this woman. And Jesus comes out and says, it says that he stoops down and draws in the dust. And we don't know why, but it says he stoops down, he draws in the dust, and he doesn't say a word. And the people, they demand that he make a comment. They say, Jesus, you have to say something. What should we do? Jesus, you have to make a comment on this. Jesus, you have to, you have to draw your line in the sand. And, and, and Jesus, he stands up and he says one of uh, the most famous lines in Scripture. And he says this, he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. He says, that, that's great. We can, we can condemn this woman to death, but let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Everybody kind of just drops their rocks and walks away. Everybody not going to lie and say that they've never sinned because they know that's, uh, that's garbage, right? So they, they, they all drop their rocks and walk away, and it's just him and, or her and Jesus left there, and he saves her life. But that's actually not the end of the story, right? That part of the story is, that's the mercy. That part of the story is mercy. That's, that's Jesus... Uh, 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 she's just not giving her the just penalty for 
her sin, right? That's, that's mercy. That's him getting her off, but that's not him letting her off. The next part of the story, after we've seen the mercy, is we see the grace and the gentleness of Jesus. This is where we see the real gentleness. He turns to the woman who actually nobody has spoken to for the whole story. Like she's the, she's the center of attention. Nobody has, nobody has taken the time to speak to her. Nobody's taken the time to ask her side of the story. Nothing like that. that we, we see he turns to the woman and he says, uh, he says this line. He says, go and sin no more. He says, go and sin no more. So he showed reserve in the face of anger, right? There's this righteous mob ready to, ready to do righteous justice. And he, and, and, he, and he shows reserve in the face of anger. And then he turns around and he shows strength in the face of error. He turns around and he says, hey, you need to go and sin no more. He, he, he gets her off, but he doesn't let her off the hook. He, he says, now is a time for gentle guidance, for gentle correction. This is, a, this is a time for gentleness. There will be strength in the face of this error. So we see mercy in Christ's character as he gets her off the hook for her just penalty. But we see gentleness when he corrects her in her error. We can be gentle through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because God was first gentle with us. Now you may have come here this morning looking for life, looking for hope, looking for purpose, uh, maybe looking for someone who wasn't going to deal harshly with you. You may have been come here looking for something. And, and, and let me tell you, there is no life, there is no hope, there is no purpose, there is no gentleness like the life, hope, purpose, gentleness, correction that you will find in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe even finding yourself at a place where it was hard to come to church because you expect that God is mad at you, right? You might be finding yourself in a place where I shouldn't even be here. I expect that God's going to, like, if I step foot through the door, am I going to be smitten on the spot? Maybe you've come here in a place thinking that God could be mad at you, but it is the divine character of God that when we are wrong, He deals gently with us with a goal to empower us and build us up and bring us back into a restored place of our purpose and our destiny in His plan to build us up in our strengths and not magnify our faults if you're here this morning and 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 you're saying man i want to make this decision to follow jesus i want to be part of this i'm gonna ask everybody if they can bow their heads and close their eyes we're gonna have a a a time of response here to respond to god and i I believe that god is prophetically calling uh, out to certain people right now and he's saying hey i want to start this relationship with you i want to i want to deal gently with you if if you're here this morning and, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, you want to begin that journey of following Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right now. That's awesome. That's great. I'm going to give it another second for anybody else. So cool. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, We're going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed, and we're all going to pray this prayer together. You're going to repeat after me. Now, it's not any sort of magic prayer. It's not that you say the words in the right combination, and all of a sudden everything's good. But it's a, it's a series of, of statements. And if you believe them and if you live by them, it's going to change your life forever. All right? You guys can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I've messed up. Would you help me to be more like you? Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. 
that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, would you help me to follow you the rest of the days of my life? In Jesus' name, amen.